come from a thankful and grateful heart. Uh, and as you guys know, the book of Romans, we're in that. And we've been in it since the first of the year and haven't gotten too far, which is good, simply because there's so much in it. Uh, but like we did last Sunday, I want you to turn to the person to your right and to your left and just say, hey, I thank God for you. Look at them and say that. Yeah. See, it's always weird. <laughs> it's always weird. <laughs> we did that last Sunday, and you know we might, we might continue that for a while. Because what we talked about last Sunday was in verse 8. That as theological as the book of Romans is, as, as hard-hitting as it comes with the straight gospel to people's, literally, right to their cranium, to their face. Paul, from verses 1 through 7, brings out this vertical relationship. One that we have with the Father, what the, what the gospel is to us. Uh, and then from verses 8 to 15, as I stated last week, speaks about this horizontal relationship. That if the gospel is real in you, if Jesus is in you, it's going to play itself out with each other. It's going to play itself out on this playing field of the relationship that I have with the person next to me. And why is that? Well, the Lord didn't nail a paycheck to the cross. He didn't nail material things to the cross. He didn't nail my truck to the cross. Okay? He didn't die for material things. Okay? He, he died for a relationship to have with you. And again, as theological as the book of Romans is, he doesn't come with that first. Paul comes with saying, you know what? I, the very first thing that I do in verse 8 is I thank God for you. I could swing this sword and it will, it will cut. It will separate bone from marrow. We know that because that's what Scripture says. But Paul's first desire is to establish the relationship. Let me ask you that question. Is that your first desire? Even when you're talking with a non-believer. Is it your first desire to say, you know what, I thank God for you? Or is it to say, I can't wait for you to stop talking so that I can word vomit all over you all the things that I know about Scripture and Jesus? <laughs> the Lord could have done that to us. But what did He do with the woman at the well? What does He do with everybody who He comes in contact with? He's about the relationship. I love that about this. Now what Paul is doing in these next few verses, verses 8, 9, and 10, I read for you last week, verses 8 through 15. But we're slowing down and looking at verses 8, 9, and 10, just a little bit more. So you guys with me this morning? We're going to open up a little bit more of what this horizontal relationship would look like. That again, if, if the gospel is real in me, and I'm not trying to be a fake Christian. Now, I'm not saying anybody in here is a fake Christian. I'm not saying that. But I would so love to have a church that as you walk in those doors and you look at these people in this room, that you realize and understand that there is no performance here. You don't have to put on here. Relax. Some of you put your hair up, I would say. Put your hair, just let your hair down. But then you're like, no, I spent time on this. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Some of us don't have hair, hey. Well, you know, my pop would be like, what's up with that, son? Uh, but to come into this place and not have to be a Christian, sounds weird to say. To come into this place and simply be a follower of Christ is what I'm getting at. Does that make sense? 
I've told you guys before, the word Christian is only used twice in the word. And it's not used as a good term. But the word disciple is used 261 times. And what that means is to follow Jesus. Now when we follow Jesus, guess what? Luke 9.23 comes up. You've got to deny yourself. Everything that is you, you've got to check that at the door. Amen? I want that to be, I want this, I want Jesus to be that. So what we're getting at here in these next few verses, let me read these for you. Because Paul is coming in a way that is, uh, let me just say it like this, he's highlighting another attribute of letting the gospel work through him and affect the people that he's rubbing shoulders with. Let me read this for you. Verses 8, 9, and 10. And it says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of His Son, is my witness. Everybody say witness. witness. As to how unceasingly I make mention to you. Always in my prayers, making requests. If perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. Now we really didn't get past verse 8a, if you want to call it that. There's verse 8b. Now, I'm not going to start doing this whole alphabet stuff with these, these verses, because I tell you what, I will die before we finish the book of Romans if I do that. It will take us a hundred years to get through it. But the latter half of verse 8. For I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. He says because. He says this because your faith and what we've talked about with faith. What you believe in. Everybody in here has faith. The question is what do you have faith in? Is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. His thankfulness is pointed towards this. That when he looks at this people, the people at Rome, the Christians in Rome, the faith that they have, the things that they're believing in, is being talked about. Now, I got friends in here. I want to get to know everybody uh, because I believe that that's my job. But it's, it's not just my job. It's what I want to do. But I, I, you know, I use Beck as an example. I get so excited when I see that man walk as a teacher. I do. Because it's his gifting. It's what he has uh, in him to do. And when he steps into that, man, I thank God for what the Lord is doing in that man's life. Paul is making a statement here saying that what gets me excited about you guys, you, you Romans who, who claim that the gospel is in you, that what is in you, the faith that you have in Jesus Christ, when you walk that out, when you live it, when you're not fake about it, when you're real, that is what stores up things in heaven. And that is what I am thankful for. Now, by, by all means, we're supposed to be thankful for each other's achievements, okay? For when you succeed in your job or you, you know, get that first down, whatever it may be. Sure. But what would it look like for people to be thankful for uh, the person next to them because we see the Jesus in that person playing itself out in relationships among each other. 
You guys with me this morning? See, Paul is saying, I'm thankful because your faith is being talked about. Jesus Christ Fellowship. Is our faith being, being talked about? Is your faith being talked about? Is it being proclaimed throughout Fort Collins? And that's not something to ask yourself that question and say, oh, you know what, I don't think so. So that, that must mean that I'm a horrible Christian. Don't go there. <laughs> that's not it. But what would you have to change in your life for that to happen? For people to say, you know what, I thank the Lord that that man doesn't compromise. That that woman doesn't compromise on what she believes because of what the world is saying, because of what social media is communicating, because of what it might, well, let me say this, it might be tough in your social, social environment to remain a believer. <laughs> man, I want a church full of people like that. But guess what? That means I got to be that way as well. <laughs> I don't think anybody's proclaiming my faith. There's an issue with that. I, I, I'm sure I got a good reputation and people say, hey, I love what you're doing over there at ESIS, but this is rocking my world. Are people saying, man, I am thankful because you are simply walking in what the Lord has asked you to walk in? There's times where I can say, hallelujah, yes, praise Jesus. And there's other times where it's like, man, are you even saved? <laughs> no, I'm joking with that, all right? Seriously. But do you understand where I'm going, both sides of the spectrum? <laughs> Paul continues with something here that I believe we all need to take a look at. Uh, and he says this in verse 9. It says, For God whom I serve in the uh, excuse me, in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of, of His Son, is my witness. Now, I'm going to stop right there on that word. I couldn't get past that word witness uh, this week in my study. The title of this message is The Incessant Witness. Can we get that back up there on the screen? Anybody know what incessant means? Everybody know what that means? It means without pause, without ceasing, without intermission. Now, I'm getting to something here that is, is a sore spot in the church. Now, I'm not going to beat you guys over the head this morning. As much as I want to confront something that I believe, if we change our language when it comes to this, uh, it will change the way that we handle one another. You heard me talk about, you know, when I was praying, having this spiritual trash can out front that says, leave your mask here. Leave your facade here. You don't have to put on when you come in here. Have you ever said to somebody, you know what? I'll pray for you. And then you don't pray for that person. That's a, that's a huge thing that is said in the church every single Sunday. You listen to somebody, and maybe you even said something recently in our break when you met somebody and gave them the $20 bill. I didn't get a $20 bill. So we'll uh, have to talk about that one as well. But maybe you heard somebody's story and said, oh man, I'm sorry about that. I'll pray for you. 
but then you went home or, or left this place in times past and you didn't do it. What I'm going to say next is going to be a little bit abrasive, but I'm sorry I'm not sorry. If you're not going to pray for the person next to you, don't open up your mouth and say that you will. Just don't. Now that seems like, Alex, you're being mean. But what we see Paul saying right here is that if I was to translate this into modern day language, before I, I'm getting ahead of myself, before I jump into that, Everybody in here knows what social media is. You either like it or you don't. You either it's the plague or you're on it all the time. You can misuse it. I think it's a great tool. I think it's a very misused uh, tool. It's like a personal diary. I don't want to know that you ate eggs and then you went to the gym and then all this other stuff. Like, hey, just uh, close, the, close the front door on that one. But I can make you think however I want you to think about my life based on social media. I can put on like I'm rich, which I am not, and I got all this cool stuff and I got it all taken care of and it's all, um, I got my ducks in a row. All my ducks might be in the same pond, but they're not in a row, I'll tell you that much. They're all over the place. But according to social media, I can let you think anything that I want. But then behind closed doors, Guess who's the one who knows exactly who you are and where your heart is? It's the incessant witness. It's Jesus Christ himself. Amen. He's saying to these people, I don't want you to think anything other than this. That the God that I serve, the one whom I cannot hide from, the one whom knows everything that is going on in my heart, is my witness in saying this, that I can't stop talking about you. And I'm always, always mentioning you in my prayers. See, what I want to do this morning is say, ladies and gentlemen, can we be a church that when we say, I'm praying for you, that we actually go do that. Because... There's somebody who's the witness who hasn't ever stopped looking at what we do, not only in front of people, but in the secret place. In a place where if the Lord aired out your dirty laundry, man, we would all just be like, I quit. <laughs> I'm done doing this Christian thing. Are you guys with me this morning? What the book of Romans does is it completely peels away self. It completely peels away anything that we have packed on ourselves to make it look like we're doing the right thing. Or we are a healthy, functioning Christian. I'll be completely honest with you guys that we're, most of us in here are dysfunctional. <laughs> Let's just admit it. We are. But it's because of the grace of God that we're able to do anything that we put our hand to. I would, uh, this message this morning is kind of saying, you know what, I want to unchurch us today. Don't come in here playing church. Don't come in here with your church shoes and your church stuff. Uh, and I'm speaking just as much to myself as I am to anybody else in here. So I'm having a hard time 
only because I want to be sensitive, but I got to be real this morning. So again, I'm sorry I'm not sorry. All right? Don't, don't come in here saying that you're going to pray for somebody and you don't do it. If you ask somebody how they're doing, be prepared to hear the real answer. I remember preaching that at a, uh, either Nehemiah or Haggai a while ago. How are you doing? Well, are you ready to hear the answer? Because if you're not, you get kind of, oh my goodness, I wasn't expecting that. Well, then don't ask a question. If the gospel is real in you, ladies and gentlemen, and God sits right here behind your stern, and there's a vertical relationship that transformed your life, then horizontally, when I look at the person who is sitting in these pews, my eyes become like Christ's eyes to that person. And when he was hanging on the cross, he was looking out at his children. Have you ever prayed for those eyes? Lord, let me see these people like you see them. Because when you hear something in their, their life that is either crushing them or causing them to lose faith, and you say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And then you go home and you don't do it. The Lord's saying, I see that. Now him being the, the one who sees everything <laughs> puts me in a place of fear, not phobia, but one of reverence. That I want to be a man who says, if I'm going to do something, it's going to get done. I want to be a Christian or a follower, disciple of Christ who says, when I'm concerned about you, it's real. See, this is the gospel in Paul bringing him to a place where he's saying, there's no other witness except the one who sees everything. And I'm letting you know because of that, I'm unceasing in talking about you. And what else does it say here? I unceasingly make mention of you. Always in my prayers making requests. If perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. Now if you could, I want you to turn over to Matthew 6. Is that what I have as the cross reference? Is it Matthew? Right on. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And this just speaks more more to this issue. And I don't know, I don't know why the Lord's got me on this, but I'm I want to love on you guys this morning. But at the same time, I want you guys to understand how real and how serious God is about you. Some of you guys in here are struggling with heavy stuff. And the Lord is saying, let me fill you up. Let me heal you. What would I, how would I be helping you if I came in here and just preached the candy-coated message? I wouldn't be. He's watching. He wants to know how you're going to handle this stuff. Not to give you a good grade or a bad grade. He's saying, I want to be your cheat sheet. I want to be the answer key to your test. Will you let me be that? Could only be that by being real. Amen? Matthew 6, verse 5 says this, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. 
For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Ladies and gentlemen, He sees all of it. When Paul says, My God is my witness, you ever had somebody say, On oh, my mother's grave? My mom's alive, so hallelujah, I don't have to say that. Or, you know, I swear by da 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 da, whatever. Those are statements people try to make to get you to understand that, hey, I'm serious. I don't want us to misuse saying, with God as my witness. Because I want you to understand really what you're saying. He sees all of it. He sees everything. There's not a single thing that you do or think that isn't in His sight. Think about that. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Lord, have mercy on me. That's what starts to come out of my mouth. So misuse of that is kind of what I'm getting at this morning. Let's be a church who doesn't misuse the fact that He is our witness and He doesn't stop. There is no pause in that. Amen? These next few verses. Verse 7. And I love this. This helps me when I'm praying in front of people. It says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless uh, repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Before you even open up your mouth. He knows exactly what you need. Now, it doesn't say He knows what you want. Okay, because what I want and what I need are two totally different things. Right? He says, before you even come to me, I know what your heart desires. So speak it. I want to encourage you guys this morning that it's okay to be as real as you possibly can. Be real. Because the Lord's saying, I need you to be real with me. I understand there's things that you want, but I know exactly what you need. And if you would simply just open up your mouth and ask me for them, I'm going to give them to you. But you got to understand who I am. I'm the incessant witness. I see it all. And because of that, I should be living a life that's worthy of the call. You guys with me this morning? There's so much in these verses. You guys hear me say that all the time. But what I want to emphasize this morning is the prayer or the relationship that we have with one another. We see, uh, like I said, verses 1 through 7, the vertical, 8 through 15, the horizontal. These attributes that are being pulled out as, as Paul speaks. He has a uh, posture of heart towards these people. My question is, if the gospel is real to him and he reacts that way, and if the gospel is real to me, then it's going to bring me to a place where as I 
pray for you guys as I rub shoulders with the person next to me. It becomes more than just a Sunday morning experience. It becomes more than just, man, it was good to fellowship with some, some Christians from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. and then I'm good. It becomes... It becomes us living life together. Does that make sense? I cannot do this without you guys. I can't. I could come in here and preach to some red carpet. It'd be fun. Because it would agree with me. But you can't walk this Christian life or this... this um, this life that we follow Christ, you can't do that without the person sitting next to you. You can't. You just cannot do it. And I may be beating a dead horse here, but it's a good dead horse to beat. Because it's the gospel. Alright? If the gospel is real in you, ladies and gentlemen, if, I don't know how else to say it, if it's real, you are going to want to pray for your brother and sister. You're going to desire for that person to walk in the fullness of who they are. And you're going to do everything you can to help them do that. You know how I just explained everything that had nothing to do with you? If the gospel is real in you, it's going to play itself out in your giving to other people. Feel me? Yeah. I got it. I got you. I got you. So, let's just be real. Let's be a real believer. Spend time praying for each other. Oh, I so want that to be what you take home from this message today. Because uh, He sees. When we say we do it, and we don't. He is that witness. Amen. Let's, uh, let's get prepared for our uh, offering as well as communion this morning. Worship team's already on it, coming back up here. Where you are right now, as you are shifting, I, again, I want you to turn to that person who's sitting next to you, and I want you to say, you know what, I thank God for you. So go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> Be thankful that Jesus is in that person. Be thankful that the Father is as concerned about that individual as He is about you. And to be a church that is known for her faith in Jesus and also known for being the thankful. Jesus Christ Fellowship, man, they do a good job of being thankful over there. You walk into that place and everyone's just saying, hey, I don't know you, but I'm thankful for you. Let that transform you. Let, let what you read in Romans really hit your heart and, and dig into it. I'm going to ask you guys as you read or study whatever it is that you study throughout the week to jump into Romans. Go with me in this thing. Don't just rely on me proclaiming the words so that you can be fed on a Sunday morning. Go feed yourself. Amen? But here's the deal. Um... Yeah, let's let's come up here. You can go ahead and start playing there, Jared.
we'll do our offering right now. Father, we just thank you so much for, uh, first of all, these two volunteers, four volunteers that we have for this, uh, for this offering, Father, and just their willingness to serve. We just thank you for that and pray that you would honor them. Uh, and Lord, as we give to you this morning, we want to honor you. And Lord, show us how to give joyfully in that uh, this, is, this is something that you uh, have given us to do to just uh, be in a, a closer relationship with you, Father. Uh, and so I just pray that you would give us the right mind uh, when it comes to, to this. Father, bless this offering so that we can bless you with it. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can pass that. As we get prepared for communion, communion is a time where you can get just get right with the Lord. If there's something on you that you need to just confess, it's a good time to, to do that. The Word is very clear about not taking communion if you don't know Jesus. Uh, in short, let's just say it doesn't work like that. But what I appreciate about the Lord is that if there's a problem, He always gives a solution. And the solution is, hey, you can accept Christ into your life right now. And so, let's do that right quick. Let's, everybody just bow your head and pray with me. Father, if there's somebody in this room who's been affected by uh, your word, Father, uh, to a point where their heart is ready to make the leap, to make the transition from their trust being in themselves to their trust being in you. But Lord, if we understand that you're the witness and you're always seeing everything, uh, or that doesn't mean that we, we now walk around with uh, our shirt buttoned up and make sure that we don't do anything wrong. No, it, it, it's just that we don't want to disappoint you, Father. If somebody in this room has gotten to a place where they just they can't do it on their own, they don't want to they don't want to be disappointing you anymore, Father, and they want to give their heart to you. I, I just pray in this moment right now, Father, they would just raise their hand, and we will pray with you and welcome you into the kingdom. But if that's you, if the Lord's moving on your heart to give your life to Him for the first time, then let this moment be that moment. Just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's use this time as one that, you know, we take a, a look at Romans about this, this prayer business. I want you guys to not only get your heart right with the Lord, but pray for other people in this time. Maybe it's praying for your family. Maybe it's praying for that individual who you know is, is, is struggling to the point where, like I said earlier, they're about to lose their faith in Jesus. Now, Paul is praying for a people he's never met. That's the gospel in this man. That's Jesus in this man. Let's be a church that prays for people we don't even know. And is concerned about the people that, hey, we do know. Praying for them genuinely. You with me this morning? So what we're going to do, I've got communion here and here. We're going to all get up.
come down the center aisle, get what you need, go back to your seat, and then I will pray and walk us through the taking of the communion. Sound good? All right, so let's do that this morning. Let's, let's stand to our feet and go ahead and take this. Speak to us. Father, we wanna we wanna thank you for the people who are in our lives. Because they're in our lives for a reason. It's not a coincidence. We cross paths with the people that we do on a daily basis. Lord, for the individuals who I walk by every single day and have no idea what's going on in them. Father, for the ones who are dying inside. Lord, I pray for them in this moment. And maybe the next time I walk by that person, Lord, you would give me an inclination to, to, to speak to that person. Because, Lord, I want the eyes that you have for your people. We spend time praying for each other. We spend time praying for our families. And yes, again, Lord, the people we've we've never met before, we've maybe just been an acquaintance with. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to take communion this morning. What we have in our hand right now is, is a sacred thing. It's a very special thing. Father, as we want to be a thankful body, we, we, we thank you for what you did with your body. Father, you give us a, an example of being in the upper room with your disciples as you picked up that piece of bread and you broke it and you passed it around and you began to speak to your disciples saying that this is my body. This is what I'm going to sacrifice for you said what I need you to do is I need you to take that that, that wafer that, that thing that we have in our hands Father and consume it and partake of your flesh and so Lord we do that right now we just 
we eat that little that little cracker that we have father and we thank you for what that represents because you said to do that in remembrance of you in this moment lord we are remembering the sacrifice of your flesh that you gave for us we can't earn it we definitely don't deserve it thank you jesus for that and you also picked up the cup you passed the cup around what was in that cup, you told your disciples to drink of it because this was a representation, Father, of the blood that you were going to spill. The only thing that would pay for our sins. The only thing that would close the gap that sin created so that we can have a relationship with you. So, Lord, what we have in our cup, we drink that in this moment right now, Father, because you told your disciples to do that in remembrance of you in this moment, Father. We do that remembering the amount of blood that you shed. Father, how painful that must have been. But you had me, you had us on your mind the entire time. So Lord, we thank you for the, the opportunity to have taken communion this morning. And I pray that we would continue to pray for our brothers and sisters. That when we look to our right and to our left and we see a, a living, breathing human being, we can say, you know what? I'm thankful that God made you. And I'm thankful that he's working in you. Father, thank you for being our strength, for being our hope. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, closing this song, and I'll let you guys go. Straight.